Mike Moore. We're back again. We're here at Northern Seminary recording another session of Theology on Mission podcast. Yeah, thanks for being willing to do this. Where theology meets the challenges of culture for Christ and his mission. You didn't want to do a podcast. You, you, you were texting me yesterday, and you're like, no, it's not a podcast. And then you kind of got a little prickly. And I, I can tell you, I can tell you, you're in one of those prickly moods today, man. Oh man, yeah, he, come, could, he comes could, out of a he comes out of about <laughs> ten different meetings with ten different things. Comes walking through the hallways, and I can see that look on his face. I, I looked at you and I pointed at you, and I was like, I started nodding my head. I'm like, yeah, it's on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Northern Seminary is going through a lot of uh, good times. A lot of re what do you call it? What do you want to call it? Uh, revisioning. <clears throat> No. Remissioning, recommissioning, uh, renewal. We're setting things, get, organizing them a little more efficiently yeah. uh-huh. and to the point. Yes. And it's really helping things. Yeah, getting things synced up. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I must say, ladies and gentlemen out there, you know, pray for Mike Moore because he's at the center of this reordering of our seminary. But it is going well, largely due, or at least uh, in part due, maybe in large part due to Mr. Dr. Mike Moore. It's kind of you to say, we've got a great team here. Yeah. Rarely have I felt this good about the seminary, and so praise God for all he's doing. Yes. All right. The, now, 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 you've been you've been on my case about this. In fact, I was listening to the last podcast, and I, and I started calling out pastors to become plumbers, and you cut it out. You cut it out from the you, podcast. You know what? I did cut it out. Because at some point when we were talking about it, we said, oh, this is for a different podcast. Let's talk about this later. But That's why you cut it out? Yeah. It was a, it was a long it, You didn't cut it out because- I won't cut out this part. Okay. Okay. So, so we're getting back to the subject. And so the subject of this podcast is, if I might be so bold mm-hmm. as to give it a title. Okay. Are you ready for the title? Okay, I think. Want to be a pastor? Become a plumber. No. Oh, he's grinning from ear to ear. <laughs> Oh, he's so proud! So proud of that. <laughs> By the way, people get jazzed when you get in my face. You know, you know, you know that. I mean, people. I mean, I get little notes. And by the way, if you want to write me, write me on Facebook. It's the easiest place to find me, uh, or uh, direct message me off of uh, uh, Twitter. Just I, if you just follow me, I'll follow you back. And blah blah blah. But anyways, people get jazzed when you <laughs> give me a hard time on well, this good. podcast. This is the episode for them. All right, this so is the folks, episode. we're looking forward to this. Let's get started. Want to be a pastor? Become a plumber. First, first salvo here. Okay, this is where we're at in large parts of Christianity in the West. You could say so. So, I could say, by the way, you want to be a theology professor? Become a plumber because mm-hmm. there's just not that many professional, full-time, well-paid jobs in the clergy profession. It's a dying phenomena. Mm-hmm. And so don't get me wrong out there. There's still jobs left. And for those of you who do have full-time pastoral ministry, we salute you yeah. and applaud your work for the kingdom. But <laughs> if you're 20, excuse me one second, if you're 25 uh-huh. and you're thinking, oh, I am going to go get a professional degree in theology and ministry. 
and then apply for a job and I'm going to be in a career for 52 years, mm-hmm. I would say those times are gone for the majority of me. Likewise, if you want to be a theology professor, by the way. Yeah. Okay, so you're in full agreement. Ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sitting across the table, Moore is completely docile. He says, <laughs> Not docile. He says, he says, I agree with everything you just said. Oh, gosh. I feel like you interpreted my nonverbals. <laughs> I agree that those days are largely gone for some people, but not for everybody. Some people can still receive full-time employment as pastor in a church. And some people, that's going to be their call and that's going to be their opportunity. I think there's less people, but it doesn't mean that that's the case for everybody. All right. Let's just say you're you're 62 years old right now. You have- Wait, a, me or you? You. Okay. You have a 25-year-old son mm-hmm. and he wants to go in the ministry. Okay. What kind of advice are you going to give him? I would say- there's a lot of discernment mm. if you're going to go into the ministry. Mm, that's for sure. I'm not going to tell him to go to seminary right away. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell him to find a church, find somebody to help mentor some wise Christians to come alongside him. And... Okay, assume all those things are in order. Okay. Because that's I do assume Yeah. somebody just doesn't fall out of bed on a Saturday morning at yeah, yeah. a.m. and say, hmm, I think I'm going to be a pastor. Sure. It's out of being involved in a church body, mm-hmm. being affirmed in their in their giftings, and seeing good models, and yeah. saying, I believe, and hearing the call that God wants to use me in ministry. By the yeah. way, all of that, 100%, we need more of that. We need a lot more of that. Yeah. Okay. But now what do you tell the guy well, I, or I think, woman? Yeah, I think it's going to be church dependent if it's if it's the churches that i did that through when i was that age it was very clear to me this is not going to be full-time pay because all the churches i did that with were 50 to 100 people if they're part of a a mega church or a church with several campuses they're part of a mainline tradition that has some deep pockets that it might be different for them i think it depends on the, the local church the tradition it's part of in, in the context that they're doing ministry in. All right, all right, all right. So, so, so far, this has been a really boring conversation. Okay, uh, I want to I want to give out uh, three main ideas here as to why I think, and I and I admit, I've got this fascination for being a plumber. Yeah, yeah. Fascination it's, is one way to put it. It's Obsession. my go-to model <laughs> for ministry, folks, and uh, so. Here's three reasons why, if you want to be a pastor, go be a plumber. Okay. One, practicality. Plumbers make money. Plumbers actually make a lot of money. It's a job that is of a completely different kind than pastoring, sermoning, praying, visiting. It occupies different parts of your brain and different skill sets of your your hands, and so you're you're offsetting one off. You're not doing more of the same kind of mental energy. I think that's important, but I'm I'm still on the practicality point. <clears throat> it's flexible, and it's in demand. 
And by the way, if you're married, your spouse will love you more because you're able to fix things. Okay, uh, but also, let me get back to the word flexible. Let's say your church grows and they're able to pay you more. Let's say, you know, they're asking you to spend more time devoted to the church, which is always a good thing, in my opinion. You can still go do 10 hours a week and stay in touch with the real people by plumbing, by doing plumbing. And so all this to say, um, this is just a practical thing to do. I've got two other big reasons. Yeah, you got to give me a chance to respond to this. But folks, if I had to do it all over again, I went into financial services. Yuck. I would be an apprentice plumber, and I would wear that apprentice badge around my belt everywhere I went. Oh, man. Okay. Waiting. Good. Uh, I, I don't have any salvos written down. I'm just going to respond. I, uh, you probably saw me scribbling some notes. First of all, not everybody can be a plumber. I don't have an engineering mechanical bone in my body. I I've could noticed. probably learn it. Thank you. But I've noticed when I'm not going to be. If engineering applies to technology, (laughs) I'm not ripping on you because I don't either. Yeah, I say this is the guy (laughs) who's struggling to grow grass in his backyard for 10 years. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) Spill the beans, man. Okay. Okay. So not everybody's that skilled. Not everybody's that skilled. Not everybody's going to be a plumber. So I, I think I think you've idealized this profession that is also very hard on your body like very hard on your body to do any kind of manual labor for long-term. But I'm concerned because you're talking about the practicalities and money. One of the things you said is you make a lot of money. For me, you've put the mission behind the money, whereas it's supposed to be flipped the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) So so I just want to respond because obviously Mike Moore is not practical at times. I got to say, I think the financial stresses and the financial dynamics of being in ministry are a big deal that a lot of pastors don't think through and are always struggling with, and it lays a heavy burden on. And so I think you got to think through that dynamic. We do remember that the Apostle Paul, when he went to go plant churches, became a tent. He didn't become, I guess he had the skill already of being a tent maker, which, by the way, was a physical skill, which, by the way, took care of. He didn't want to take money from the people right away. And this is why he chose to work alongside them, to be among them, to be with the people. And so yeah. this is really my second point. But Yeah, I got to jump back in. It is, it is mission contextual driven. Like That's my point. Is it depends on the person, their mission, their context they're in. And then you can ask them the money practical parts. For some people, they don't need to be an apprentice plumber because they don't need to be bivocational based on the finances of the mission, the context that they're doing ministry. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Does that make, does mm-hmm. that make sense? No, why, no, it doesn't make any sense. That's why I'm mm-hmm. not going to tell everybody to go be an apprentice plumber because right, everybody right. needs to be right. an apprentice okay. plumber. Oh, maybe I'm idealizing plumber. Okay. Oh, wait, no. Yes. Okay. But <laughs> there are other occupations that are different than, uh, so for instance. Sure. Uh, I, I don't think, okay, this is just me. There are f- plenty of friends who have become therapists. 
Yep. Well, I, I know many therapists who are also pastors. Pastors, therapists. Mm -hmm. To me, not a good idea. Okay, yeah. This is a different podcast. I, I, <laughs> I, I won't edit this out, but we got to do our, get, we can do our. I'm just saying, I'm just ministry. saying the amount of mental and spiritual uh, taxation well, on I mean, yourself. But, but you're, you're a theologian. I'm doing seminary education administration and we both pastor. I'm just saying, I mean, okay, practicality, there. it would be good to get a little time away from those demands and have some other demands. Yeah, well, go for a run, you know, join a gym. All right, folks, I think everyone who's listening right now knows who's won the argument so far, and that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. definitely the person that says that they're winning. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was winning. I just said everyone knows. Who's winning? All right, folks, let me get to the second point because we haven't got all day on this. Oh, yeah, we do. Let's, let's keep going. <laughs> second point, go be with real people. Real people. So uh, not that when you're in church on Sunday morning, you're not with real people, but you're not with people who are in the midst of real life often. This takes you out of the context of the church and puts you into the presence with real people, fellow plumbers, the management of the plumbing company. You're also going to be in homes and places where you are doing the jobs of plumbing and you're connecting with those people. Sometimes you're just even going to go do a job to help somebody out who can't afford plumbing. It's amazing. You're going to be with real people. And in those spaces, I am telling you, God is going to work and make connections and do some things, and your preaching is going to be so much. Oh, for goodness sakes, your yeah. preaching is actually going to be engaging of the issues that we're facing in real life in the neighborhoods. All right, over okay. to you, Mike Moore. Just a thought. We need to get dun, a, dun, dun, we, we need to get a dun, plumber dun, pastor dun. On, this, on this podcast. I would love to interview a plumber pastor. I agree 100% that a lot of people who are doing full-time vocational ministry, they get sequestered from what you're saying is real people, right? They get insulated. Their time is spent mostly kind of managing the internal mechanisms of the church. However, it doesn't have to be that way. Just because you're doing full-time pastoral ministry doesn't mean that you have to spend your time, quote-unquote, away from real people. What I'm trying to press here mm. is that I think I think you're identifying the symptoms correctly that people who are doing full-time ministry kind of get caught in like the church world but I don't think this is only because they're not by vocation does that make sense Am I makes sense yes convincing compelling argument well no so so how about this <laughs> I talked to so many people by the way, uh, folks, so I hope, smug. I hope so everybody smug. knows this is just a little kind of, I don't know, game we're playing right now. People not taking, not taking any of this personally. Please don't take this seriously. I'm not taking this personally. It's back um, and forth. Yeah. I've talked to so many pastors who have told me the reason they can't engage with real people is because their board of elders would be upset if they're not spending time with the church. Like if they're not in the office, if they're not preaching every Sunday, if they're not running all the meetings, because they would say like, well, you know, what are we paying you for? We pay you to do these things. 
Ha. Right? Ha. So, ha. So, yeah. So you've heard this. I don't, but I think that's a mis-expectation of the church. And just changing your vocational arrangement is not necessarily going to solve that. All right. This gets to my third point. So I'll give you a nice segue. What, what I'm saying is you can still be a full-time pastor and preach once a month. You, I've done it. Like you can be the full-time pastor and not have to be on every committee. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. You've done it, meaning you, you have been receiving a full-time salary. Yes. And done it. Only preached once a week, month. A yeah. Month. Yeah. I mean, the, it, how did it, that go over? It was great. It how was did, great. How, how did the board feel about it? I think they were they were the ones that were also preaching. Oh. So, so if we equip the saints for the work of the church, then I'm not going to preach every week because, one, I only have two sermons, and other people are gifted to get up and to preach as well. You're hitting the nail on the head that you can become insulated if you are a full-time pastor, but you don't have to be. And just changing your vocational arrangement isn't going to necessarily address the problem that the church has in pinning the ministry on a few people. All right, all right. That- I don't find anything <laughs> you said objectionable. Here, here's where I see the, the whole podcast argument going. I have located <clears throat> some real issues for pastors and said, you want to solve these issues? Become a tent maker or become a plumber. You have said, well, you don't have to have these. Well, because I think it's a shortcut. I, I I don't think you're actually addressing the the underlying missional problems in the congregation. If you just say, well, I'm going to go part time now. I think it actually disrupts all those dynamics by being a plumber first, then being a pastor. So let me get to my final point, okay. which is this point that you're making, and that I'm trying to make by. Having a source of income outside the church, you release yourself from the subtle pressures and maybe not so subtle pressures and power moves that these expectations that are placed on you, not only preach every Sunday, you've got to be in your office, you got to do this, you got to do that, but also, you know, you got to grow the church. How come the church isn't growing? You pissed off. Can I say pissed off on this? Yeah. You I'll aggravated three people. They left because because they didn't like your preaching. Now you got to change. Why are we paying you anyways? And, and, and you know, there's just, you know, when, 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 if, if you're a plumber and you're, and you're working half time and the church is paying you half time, okay, I wouldn't recommend doing this, but you could at least think it. Go ahead and fire me. I could use a pay raise. Go ahead and fire me. I could use the pay raise. You're doing me no favors here. You think you're paying me, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, okay, all that to say, uh, you, you could say, okay, maybe that wasn't the right attitude. But you know what I'm saying? Release yourself from that, uh, those petty pressures that say a pastor's got to do this, this, and this, and this. And and now become a cultivator of the kingdom yes. on the ground. And for some people, it, that's what they need to do. For some people, that's what they need to do. I'm just concerned that it's a shortcut. You're not actually addressing the underlying issues, the the imagination that the church doesn't have for how to disciple one another. Yeah, and and, and the problem with a shortcut is I don't think it's a shortcut. I think it's an av- it's a opening up of a path, a space to be able to do that because most Full-time, full-paid pastors are threatened 
for their livelihood and they don't know what they do the next week because they've never been an apprentice plumber yeah. and they're going to they're going to they're going to be out on the street and their families are going to yeah. be out on the street because they can't pay the mortgage yeah. so you got to do what people expect you to do to keep your paycheck most pastors you know can't get to what you're talking about because of those pressures okay so far where are we at here i have an observation i don't know don't know what to do with this. We can edit this out. This is go. This goes nowhere. No, we're not editing j- anything j- out. Just an just an observation. I know a pastor who's a truck driver. I know a pastor who works in a factory. I know pastors who are therapists. By and large, I've noticed that most people that talk about the bivocational ministry as being an ideal are people who have been full time or could be full time. A lot of the people I know who are driving a truck or working in a factory or carpet cleaning. And our pastoring, they would love if their church could pay them full time to do ministry. And for them, it's actually a struggle having to do both because they're limited on time and, and resources. And All right, I got I got something I think, to say to that. I think it's I think it's a little I, idealized. Mm, I guess I know to say that. I, I know I know a guy who pastors a church just down the street from us. He works at a factory five days a week. He would love to go full time in his church, but like they can't afford that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. but but if you so, could, if you could spend spend more time shepherding the people, being in the neighborhood, you know, c- connecting to other folks. Of course, he's made some good connections at the factory, but I I just think it's a little bit of an idealized perspective. I'm not trying to pull the power card on you, like, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is what this is what a white guy would do with an education. He would idealize this. All right, what I would say to that is a couple of things. You have to be. You have to choose wisely and develop a skill. I, I always think, look, no one starts in one job today and works for 52 years and then retires at the same job. So why do pastors think they can do that? Why do people coming out of seminary think, hey, I got a professional degree. I'm going to now become a, an ordained pastor in this and this well, denomination. Well, isn't the same thing, though, as like a financial planner. I mean, being a pastor is more of a vocation. It's not a career. It's a calling. It, it, you know, it refers more to someone's character and their calling. So in other words, it's a vocation, not, not an expected pathway to financial yeah. support. But for some people, it, it's both. Well, all I got to say is I don't think anyone should expect the, to make a full-time living being a pastor for 52 years. I think you've always got to be ready. I think it just makes sense. I I got a son in college, as you know. The last thing I want him to do is think I'm going to study to do one thing and one thing only for the next 50 years of my life. I go, sure. no, no sure. one does that. Get this skill, that this skill. Think about three things you can do. Furthermore, deepen your walk with Jesus yeah. and so, let him work in all the various ways. So then you would say you might have 10 years of full-time ministry. You might go be a plumber. You might be bivocational. You might go back to being full-time pastor. You might be called to uh, France, yeah. and uh, they don't I, let I, you I, I, uh, get uh, be a paid blah blah blah, so you can support your ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many different ways uh, that this benefits a person. I mean, just just go work with out in the real world, meaning not church world, and learn how people live. That's in and of itself so important. So I guess what I'm saying here is, yeah. Idealized, I don't believe it, but it is something new. 
And if you're working the wrong job, like I don't particularly think working 50 hours a week at a factory is mm-hmm. a good idea. Well, you, because you got to have choice. You got to have independence, certain amount of developed independence and getting a skill mm-hmm. like plumbing gives you a certain amount of independence. There, there are some jobs like, like I wouldn't, uh, I, my, my job was financial services, but I had a history there that enabled me to get a lot of flexibility. You got to have mm-hmm. flexibility. So I don't think every job is going to work well, right, right. like your friend who works in the factory. Yeah. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're not motivated and you aren't called to the ministry and you're just slugging it out week mm-hmm. in, week out, that's another issue to be concerned about because sure. we shouldn't be in the ministry just to slug it out. We should be there operating out of the presence and fullness of God mm-hmm. in our lives, in Jesus and what he's doing. And that might mean we only have 10 people show up for church for three sure. years before sure. a something breaks out in, mm-hmm. in the neighborhood. So all that to say, idealized, maybe you're the one who's idealizing it. <laughs> I don't think there's anything idealistic about it. I think it's actually a way of life that more of us got to adopt as we go into the lands of post-Christendom and become missionaries. Yeah. Okay, can I ask you one last question? Is this the wrap-up? Yeah. All this right, last this question is the wrap-up. Is, is the wrap-up. Do you feel any more convinced that you're wrong? That's the question. <laughs> yeah. Did this conversation change your perspective at all? Not one. <laughs> Look, I want to <laughs> listen, and I have tried to submit to you this whole time. Hey, no, no, no. And I got to no. say, I've been sorely disappointed. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, then I need to say that's one thing we share in common. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've heard it live at Northern Seminary Theology on Mission podcast. Mike Moore and Dave Fitch disagree, and we even disagree as to who came through on this podcast. But that's what makes this podcast so incredible of a <laughs> podcast amazing. is Fitch and Moore can disagree and still love each other. All right, folks, do you have any announcements coming up here? Uh, what do we have coming on? I got something coming up. What? I'm inviting 10 pastors to go to Cleveland, January, I believe it's 17th and 18th. Yes. If you're within driving distance and you want to go hang out in a mansion with Gino Kirkaruto and me and talk theology, <laughs> talk ministry, we're also going to talk about evangelism and post-Christendom, and just all around have a good time. We're going to go to nice places to eat. We're going to share life together for Thursday night. All day Friday, we leave Thursday after a session about noon. It's going to be a great time. Look on my Facebook page, Fitchest at Facebook. Look for for the sign-up sheet if you're interested. Ladies and gentlemen, it's it's always a pleasure being with you. We hope to see you uh, back next week on Theology on Mission podcast. Until then, it is Mike Moore and Dave Fitch over and out.